Hey gang, it's Eric. Good to be with you here today, Tuesday morning. We're continuing on in our series in Ephesians. I can't believe, I can't believe that we just had the first week in Advent this year. It seems like the year has gone by faster than I could even fathom. Uh, so, yeah, it's moving. We are moving through almost to Christmas. We're past the first week of Advent, and it feels like there's so many things to do. I don't know if it feels like that for you guys at all, but it definitely feels like that for me. It feels like I'm always, always running. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning, Jessica. I don't see who else is there, but welcome. So we're almost done with our look at, the, at Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Good morning, Brian. And uh, good morning, Chris. And we're looking today at just a few verses, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Hi, Barb. And really what these verses are about is, is all about parenting. And yet what you're going to find is that they are not, um, it's not very complex, the instruction here. As a matter of fact, the Bible is not very complex when it talks about parenting. As much as, I mean, how many different family and parenting organizations uh, exist out there that are for the church or from the church that are Christian uh, operations. And yet when we actually come to the scriptures and we actually look at what's said about parenting and about children and about raising children, it's not that thorough. It's just not. Good morning, Bonnie. Uh, it's actually given to you in a fairly straightforward manner. And this passage really kind of exemplifies that. Um, it's really, really simple. Here's what it says. It, it, the instructions are simple. The carrying out of the instructions, yeah, not as simple. So here's what it says. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. All right, so kids, you got your instructions. Done and done. Easy enough. Just be obedient. Verse 4, here comes the instructions for the parents. And fathers are specifically mentioned here, but it certainly applies to both fathers and mothers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's it. That's all it says about parenting. In the book of Ephesians, that's Paul's whole instruction about parenting, verses one through four, of chapter six. Done and done. So let's uh, let's try and take it apart now. Um, by way of introduction, I can remember when um, I was in my early twenties before I had children. I was pretty much the perfect parent, uh, certainly in my mind. Anyway, I th I I think I had it pretty figured out. Uh, so when I'd see friends or family with their kids and uh, their kids would misbehave, it was very easy for me to, at least privately in my mind and sometimes foolishly with my mouth, critique their performance. Ah, see, they spoil him. That's why he has that attitude. Uh, they're too tough on her. That's why she has that attitude. And everything in my view of parenting before I had kids was static and predictable, and it was like operating machine. If you just pushed the right buttons and did the right things, done and done, kids would be behaved well, and they would love you, and all would be wonderful. And then, of course, we had children. I have three boys, 
and I can't think of two words that are more inaccurate to describe parenting than static and predictable when it comes to parenting. Uh, I have three boys, 13, 12, and 6, and they are very different. They are parented very differently, which I thought it was just like, you know, bacon cookies, man. Like they all, you put them in, same temperature, and they come out delicious. Not so much. Uh, so what I thought was so clear cut was so often situationally based. Still is. Still is situationally based. Kids are not static. Each one of them is different and has different things that make them tick. They are the most unpredictable little things ever sometimes. And as much joy as they bring, and they do, I love my kids, and they do bring me joy. They make me laugh. They also, of course, bring frustration, and I can remember them bringing dirty diapers. Thank God that's not a part of life anymore for us. Sleepless nights, that still sometimes <laughs> happens for us. Uh, temper tantrums, and the temper tantrums don't end when they're like four. The terrible twos is the biggest moniker, like the, the least accurate moniker of all time. Terrible twos are not, not just a thing. Like, it goes on from there. It just becomes a different kind of terrible twos, so to speak. So, um, so all that to be said, uh, parenting is tough, and yet Paul's, Paul's advice is pretty, pretty simple. First, duty of children. Obey your parents. Okay. Uh, this command isn't unique to the Bible. Uh, it is in just about every tradition under the sun, secular or religious. And uh, that tells us something. The fact that it is universally upheld as being a good thing tells us that this is something that is written on our hearts naturally. When something like that shows up and it's universally upheld as a good value, that shows us that this is something that goes really, really deep into who we are. It's something that we instinctively know is right. It's written on our hearts. But Paul doesn't just say obey your parents. He specifically says obey your parents in the Lord. And that means that a child doesn't necessarily have to obey everything that a parent says. I would say the vast majority of the time they should. But if what a parent commands of his child is expressly forbidden by God, um, i.e. Not, not in line with the Lord, you know, let's say worship of an idol or immorality of some sort, then the child is, in fact, free to disobey. So it's not everything, everything. It's not literally everything that children have to obey their parents in, but specifically, Paul says, in the Lord. And then he says, for this is right. Now, the word is the same word from whence we get righteous, diakosune. How important is children's obedience to their parents? Well, if you go back to Deuteronomy 21, uh, verses 18 through 21, and Leviticus 20, verse 9, I won't go there now because I just don't have time. Uh, they tell us how much it matters in the Old Covenant. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, um, it's, a, it's a life or death issue. Interestingly, though, uh, we Christians have historically broken up the, um, the Ten Commandments into two sections, uh, with the first three having to do with our relationship to God and the last uh, seven having to do with our relationship to our neighbor. That's sort of the way we've the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. Uh, in Jewish thinking, they included the fourth command to honor their parents, or honor their father and mother, under their duty to God. Why would they do that? Well, because obedience to parents was seen so, was wrapped up so closely with obedience to God in that culture. It it was almost seen as impossibility to be disobedient to parents 
uh, while claiming to be obedient to God. Now, again, again, there's exceptions if the parent is commanding you to do something wrong or sinful. But that's how closely they're tied up. And as a matter of fact, one of the signs of a, of a culture or society being given, given over to decadence, being given over to judgment, according to Romans 21, verses 28 through 30, is disobedient children. Uh, one of the signs of the end being near in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 is disobedient children, which tells you that we've been in the end times for a long time because there's been disobedient children for a long time. Uh, so why should kids be obedient to their parents? Well, here's the promise, that it may go well with them, that they may live long in the land. Now, in the Old Testament, the land signified the place where God's blessings were found. It is ultimately a picture of the heavenly land. And this is simply another way of saying that in obeying their parents, the children will be blessed by God. They will evidence that they know God through their obedience. Now, is this generally true in life that when children obey their parents in the Lord that they are blessed? I think so. I think generally speaking, but not blessed in any sort of salvific way. We need to put that aside for now. We're not saying that a, children's, a child's obedience to their parents in any way has anything to do or contributes anything to their standing before God. Remember, we always have to go back to that. Jesus is taking care of that. Jesus is taking care of that. Again, just in case you forgot from last week, Jesus took care of that. Uh, but, but in this life, I mean, will we be more blessed generally as children? Will my children be more blessed if they follow my instruction not to run out in the middle of the street to run after the ball when a car is coming? Yes. Do my children always believe that they will be more blessed? No. <laughs> oftentimes they do not so what is the responsibility of the parent here well uh, you don't want to skip over this too much it says Paul says fathers now don't skip over let's just deal with that word it was simply the case that the father in the ancient world was seen as the one primarily responsible for teaching their children in the home even though the mother uh, or a bondservant may have done much of the teaching, the father was ultimately the one that was seen as responsible. He was the overseer of the home. This is, this is just the way it was in the ancient world. And it says to the father specifically, it gives really three instructions. First, do not provoke your children to anger. Okay, the word for provoke can be translated goad. Don't, in, in a goading in the Old Testament or in the in biblical times was, you know, something that you would put like on livestock on, the, on their heel to keep them going. It was something sharp and you were pushing into them so that they would keep going. Uh, there are many ways that a parent could provoke a child to anger or perhaps a better translation for the word anger here is resentment. Now, I'm not sure that I'm going to, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to list all the ways that we might prevent, um, provoke our kids to resentment or anger, but I'm pretty sure that you can certainly think of very many ways that that can happen. Paul doesn't list those ways here, but I think that there are ways, I mean, neglect. Um, I think oftentimes um, uh, parents sort of not listening to their children, not giving a, attention is a big, big, big thing. 
Uh, and there's a lot, there's a lot, and I'm not going to spend time going over it because I think you know it. And I think specifically you know in your own home those ways in which you might be prone to provoking your children to resentment. But one thing that's interesting here, uh, the care with which the apostle tells parents to have toward their children is incredibly stark compared to the parenting of the day. Uh, for example, according to William Barclay, New Testament scholar, uh, and really scholar of that time period, of the ancient uh, time there, he writes, quote, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell them as slaves. He could make them work in his fields, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands, for the law was in his own hands. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on his child. This is true, and, and they had that, kind of, that much power. Uh, children were seen often as expendable in the Roman world, very expendable. And all of the data that we have from the Bible, uh, especially where Paul talks about raising children, is to be uh, gentle with them and to be caring for them and to not provoke them to anger. In the rest of the world, that wasn't a value. Who cares what the kid thinks? They better do what, they say, do what you say or else you beat them. That was the way it was. So again, you can see that the early Christians are subverting the cultural norms uh, in all sorts of areas. Uh, and then it says this, but instead, instead of provoking them to resentment or anger, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now the, word, the words bring them up is actually uh, the word for nourish them or feed them. Feed them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so the Bible says... Really, the essence of parenting is teaching. If you really want to boil it all down, like what's a parent called to do? Well, a parent is called to teach. More than anything else, that's what it emphasizes. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament, for sure. De Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, in the famous Shema passage, uh, we are shown that parents are given this gigantic responsibility to teach their children. Proverbs 1, 8, and 9 Proverbs 4, 1, I mean, I can go on, I'm not going to list them, but, or I'm not going to read them, again, for the sake of time, but they're all passages that emphasize this really kind of taken-for-granted view in uh, Jewish life, which was that a parent's main responsibility was to teach their child. And there are two sides to this teaching. Uh, discipline, which implies correction, and instruction, which implies building up. Now, why discipline? Well, again, I think if you go to the Proverbs, specifically verses like uh, 13, verse 24, 22, 15, 23, 13, and 14, 29, 15, basically they all say the same thing, and it's something like this. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And anybody who has parented a child knows that this statement is true. Uh, folly has been, so children don't have it figured out. They don't. And they need to be told sometimes when their ideas, often when their ideas are wrong. They often think their ideas are right. Most of the time they do. Part of what our job is to say, no, 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 honey, no. If you do that, you will die a painful death. Maybe not that harshly, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> we have to tell them. We have to correct them. And yet on the and, and by the way, um, if we don't do that, if we just instruct, then we will 
only do half the job here. We have to we have to discipline, but we also have to instruct because everyone else in the world around them is instructing them. Don't forget this. Your kids are hearing a preacher every day wherever they go. On TV, in school, in games, online, wherever they go, they are being preached at. They are being instructed in the way they should go. And so we need to make sure that we're in that game. We're not going to be able to control everything that they're instructed by, and we're not going to be able to teach them everything they need to be taught. And frankly, we're going to fail at this. We are. I, I, if there's one thing I can testify to as a parent, I am utterly aware of the ways in which I should have messed up my kids already. I'm just being real with you. There's been so many times where Missy, my wife, and I have looked at each other like, mm, well, hopefully God will, God will work in spite of us because, yeah, that wasn't good. And you know what the good news is? He does work in spite of us. That's my hope. Ultimately, my hope as a parent isn't based on me parenting. Because I know, I know, I know I've messed up too many times. I know that I've said things I regretted. I know that I've done things that I wished I wouldn't have done. I know that my kids have seen me act in ways that don't make me look like the kind of person they should be. I mean, I know it. And if my guess is if you're a parent, if you're honest, you know it too. Like, you know it too. Where do you go when you don't discipline and instruct well and when your kids are being disobedient and you, <laughs> and you lose your temper? Where do you go? What do you do? Well, you go to the same place that Paul told you to go back in chapter 2 of Ephesians and chapter 1 and chapter 3. You remember that it's by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone that you've been saved and that your heavenly Father is the perfect Father in your place and that he cares a whole, 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 whole lot more about your kids than even you do. As much as you might care for your kids, he cares a lot more about them. And he is going to, he's, he's pursuing them. He is, don't worry. So yeah, you messed up. Just own it. Own it. Own it. Parents, you haven't done this perfectly. But the good news is God has. And he's, he's pursuing your kids. He's going to pursue your kids. This is ultimately our hope. So yeah, we want to discipline. We want to instruct. We want to do our best to raise our kids in the ways of God. But ultimately, we don't want to ever fool ourselves into believing that our kids' relationship to God and our kids walking in the world is ultimately going to be controlled by us. No. God knows your children. And he loves them. Uh, loves them enough to bleed and die for them. And that's our hope. That's our hope. So, all right, gang, uh, that's four little verses on parenting. Not a whole lot of how-tos in there, but a whole lot of uh, pointing us to Jesus. So let's, uh, next week we'll talk about work, and then the following week we will wrap up Ephesians with the, uh, we'll talk about the armor of Christ. So have a great week. God bless.